Winning Retirement Radio. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank marks the second largest shutdown of a bank in U.S. history. The stock market certainly reacted to that, and it feels rocky for the banking system in general right now. You've got the president talking and all this action being taken. All of this has ultimately sparked fears of a larger bank run or even a repeat of the 2008 financial crisis. I mean, we all remember that environment, and that's not a great one to retire in. You know, what is actually some silver lining is that as of Monday, last Monday, the the regulators came out and preemptively shut down Signature Bank as well and said, okay, here's the thing. We're going to make all of the deposits whole, meaning... You know, you don't have to do a run on the banks. Your money's going to be available above the $250,000 FDIC insured amount. Okay. okay. So what they were trying to do with all that is prevent the panic. Mm. Now, we shall see because, you know, as we've learned from past occurrences of things that are traumatic within the economy, sometimes the after effect doesn't fully take effect until a week or two or maybe even months later. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that goes. However, as of Monday, we were able to see some preemptive things being put in place to prevent problems. However, there have been some shares of other banks that have dropped from this backlash. And also, you know, the news is good about calming fears, aren't they? Oh, my God. (laughs) They they thrive on our fears. They thrive on it. I mean, the headlines, you know, blood-curdling similarities to the Lehman collapse and Bitcoin spiking after Silicon Valley bank failure and all those headlines we saw. But the thing to understand is this is kind of like a fire drill at the school they have Mm. when they're trying to figure out what to do when there's an emergency Mm -hmm. and you do a run through okay this is kind of a fire drill for you listening not saying you have to panic but okay what if now we know this can happen well and kristen let me just say that bank failures is a relatively common occurrence yeah now it had been 800 days since a bank had failed. In the previous ones, there was none in 2022. There were none in 2021. There were four in 2020. There were four in 2019. But what's interesting, you go back to 2009, Mm -hmm. there was 140 banks that failed. In 2010, there was 157 banks that failed. 2011, 92 banks that failed. You know, what happens is the news media really controls almost how we feel about things by how much attention they give or don't give something. But just ease your thoughts a bit. Bank failures are not that uncommon. So with that, there's been so many banks that have failed in the last 15 years that we have to look at it and say, well, how is this going to impact my personal economy? Mm -hmm. And in general, anybody that's kept their deposits within the $250,000 FDIC guarantee. Since 1933, no one has lost money within that guarantee, within a bank failure. So that's important to note. Wonderful news, and we can take a deep breath, sort of, kind of. Yeah, sort of. (laughs) But moving forward, like I was saying, knowing that it can happen now, we sat down with a family, gosh, Greg, was it about four years ago now? And one of the things, I, I like to call it baggage, You know, when we meet with a new family, there's always some kind of financial baggage. 
whether it's good or bad, it's just they're just kind of like we have relationship baggage, mm-hmm. right? And so our thought process is tied directly to what we've been through. And this lady, her dad experienced a bank failure in the 20s. Mm. And she was in tears reliving his accounts of what he went through when he lost all of his money. It had nothing to do with her, but she really held on to that. So all her fears about moving forward in her financial life were tied to that fear of potentially always losing her money. So her questions were really good because they were centered around that fear she knew she had, but we were able to answer those questions for her. And you can also make accommodations, if you will, you know, for those fears that are in place. And that's how you do something about your personal economy. So don't let fear drive your decision making. Don't stick your head in the sand either. But okay, let's work together to address those fears. For sure. So what steps can you take? Well, first, don't have all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Kristen, we don't want to have all of our money. If, if you've got more than $250,000 in banks, just don't have it all in one bank. Spread it around. Here, you know, you could use Huntington, you can use Fifth Third, you can use U.S. Bank. There's so many banks locally that people can go to that where they can spread that risk around a bit. You don't want to have all your money in one stock, right? right. So same, you, same why risk. would you have all your yeah. money in one bank if you've got in excess of $250,000? What about sectors, Greg? I mean, that's an area that's been huge. The tech sector has been hit so bad. Exactly. So we also don't want to have our investments all in one sector, whether it be the energy sector, the industrial sector, the tech sector, all those are certainly viable places to put our money, but we want to spread around that Risk. And, so, the, and the part that gets me the most is not having all your money at risk. Yes. That's a big one for me because I think that is the number one way to calm a lot of fears. Because if all your money is in, in the stock market, I mean, we've met with people who literally don't even have a lot of money in the bank. They just have it all in stocks. Mm-hmm. And they're a nervous wreck when things like this are going on because their whole financial identity is tied up in those investments, right? Right. Or we might get the comment, you know, I'm in some low risk stock. Well, no, if you're in the stock market with all your money, then the only way to get that risk moved around is maybe have some in the bank. Maybe you need to put a little bit more of a cushion there. Maybe you need to have contractual guarantees tied to your income that you're receiving. There's lots of different ways to spread that around, but, but having it all in the market means you have it all at risk. For sure. And, and so we need a plan to diversify because there's basically two asset classes when we boil it all down. Asset classes where your principal's at risk, asset classes where your principal's protected. So the most important thing to do in times like this is to not panic, to not react. But let's have your current plan tested to make sure it's healthy, to make sure that you're going to be okay, to make sure you have a plan that works in any economy. If you'd like to find out more about how this impacts you, your bottom line, and take advantage of some complimentary resources, you can always connect to Greg and Kristen, the entire team of fiduciaries at LegacyRetirementGroup.com. But to maybe ease some anxieties and have a little fun, let's talk a little sports because March is a very exciting month for college basketball. 
We'll find out who wins it all April 3rd. But Greg, Kristen, I know you don't care, but uh, how's the bracket going? He was watching basketball last weekend. Well, you know, I wanted to see where the Buckeyes would go. And, of course, they fell short against Purdue. And they needed to win the Big Ten tournament in order to make it into the NCAA tournament this year. And they fell short. You know, my basketball glory can only be talked about as I beat the boys in the driveway with our basketball hoop. And, you know, (laughs) there was so much much talent in the school that I went to that I never made a basketball team, you know. Mm -hmm. Plus, they didn't somehow they didn't appreciate my flailing elbows. You know, I don't know what that's all about. But Cameron, our middle son, he's been talking a lot of junk to me lately. He's like, you don't want to play me now. It's like, I'm getting too good and you're worried I'm going to beat you. And I beat you all the time. Okay. Out of the last 15 times we played, he beat me once. And so somehow in his mind, he beats me all the time. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> oh, it is. And but we talk you, junk. Did you do a bracket this year, though, for fun? Oh, yeah. We do at our office each year. We do a bracket and we make it fun. And we the winner gets a gift card. And, oh, nice. And so we have a little fun with that at the office. But, you know, this year was hard for me because it didn't seem like – you know, there were any super dominant teams. I mean, Alabama has kind of come on this year as a as a real leading uh, team, and a lot of people have Alabama winning it all. I personally have the Kansas Jayhawks winning it all. And um, Oops, sorry. <laughs> but inevitably, after the first weekend, my bracket's already busted. Oh, yeah. There's always upsets that hurt our brackets. Speaking of brackets, NerdWallet found less than two in five Americans realize that income tax brackets are commonly adjusted to account for inflation. And WalletHub found that 81% of people are more worried about inflation than taxes this year. Now, you guys are not CPAs. You turn to CPAs when that type of help is required. But thankfully, part of the planning you and the legacy team do includes a realistic view of inflation and knowing what's going on with a client's tax brackets so that you can hopefully help them reduce their future retirement tax obligations. Oh, something to point out. The tax deadline this year is actually April 18th. That's so true. I've heard on the radio a couple people advertising that it was the 15th, but it's actually the 18th. That's this correct. Year. It's because it there's a holiday on that Monday, I think. Something yeah, like something, that. Something falls different, and we, we get a couple days grace when that happens. Yes. You know, it doesn't make the bill any lower, though. <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's like if you have to make your house payment on the 5th instead of the 1st, well, you still have to make the house payment, right? Mm-hmm. So married filing jointly from 22000 up to $89,450, amazingly, you're still in the 12% bracket. So with your standard deduction, you can make over $100,000 each year and still be in that 12% bracket. So with a married couple just using their standard deduction, they could have an income over $100,000. Now, if you're single, then it's way different. The 12% bracket ends at $44,725. You know, I I was talking uh, several weeks ago, and I talked about the penalty that widows can have. Hmm. And, you know, a married couple 
goes along, they have the income coming in, and, and so they, they live their lifestyle off of that income. And let's just say the income is $90,000 a year, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that helps them take trips and, and do special things with the grandkids and, and fulfill that lifestyle they wanted in retirement. And so one passes away, okay, the costs are a little less, but not hugely less. The, the property taxes are still the same. Groceries are still expensive and all those things. Gas still costs money. So if that widow or widower now wants to live on the same amount of income, guess what? Their tax bracket just went from 12% up to 22%. Hmm. So that can be huge just by having the misfortune of losing your spouse Mm -hmm. can cause your tax bracket to go up. The other thing that can cause your tax bracket to explode are something called required minimum distributions. Okay. So if you have an IRA account, if you have a 401k, a 403b, a 457 deferred compensation, a TSP, and on and on a qualified plan or an IRA on the traditional sense, then now when you turn 73, the government says you have to pull out a required minimum distribution each and every year. If you don't, the penalty for that has been dropped to 25%, but I don't think any of us really want to pay, you know, an extra 25% tax Mm -hmm. just for the fun of not taking out money that belonged to us. So you definitely want to take that out. What I find missing, Kristen, is that a lot of times people don't really realize how large those required minimum distributions can be. Right. And they're required. Oh, yeah, they're required. All right. And so we do something called a tax map or an RMD report to kind of help you map out what those taxes can look like down in the future to live that lifestyle you want to live. Well, you know, we just recently had a family come in. I say recently, it's probably been a couple of months ago now. You know, they were concerned about a number of things. They wanted to make sure they weren't going to outlive their money. They were concerned about taxes. They didn't have a, a defined income plan for their retirement, and they are going to retire at the end of the year. And so we had to address some things. First of all, we had to test out what they were doing to see if what they were doing was efficient or not. And it turned out that their investments weren't really efficient. It turned out that all their retirement savings, except for about $80,000 they had in the bank, was in tax-deferred IRA or 401k accounts. So overall, they had saved pretty well. They they had saved just under a million dollars total. They had about $900,000 in their retirement savings, and they had about $80,000 in the bank. And... They had been over that million-dollar mark, but the market had sort of brought them back down under that number again. And so we figured after doing all the analysis, we figured out that they were going to need about $40,000 additional per year to maintain the lifestyle that they really wanted. And that's so important. Oh, it is. You know, that includes a couple of vacations that they planned on taking each year. Yeah. It included some special things that they do with their grandchildren in relationship to help paying for their sports that they're Mm. involved in. That was really important to them to do that. Some money going into a 529 for their grandchildren and all that. So they had all that in place. And now they're trying to decide, okay, how can we make this thing work? Mm -hmm. And so we did the tax map with them to show them what future taxes might look like. 
We did an income plan for them. We did, you know, a risk assessment with them, and they found out that their their portfolio was about a risk of a 68, but where they were comfortable was more of a 43. So we had to get their portfolio in line. Really what it boiled down to is they weren't really set up with a solid retirement plan like they thought they had because mm. they realized that hope wasn't a plan. Yeah. They realized that just a 401k wasn't a plan. They realized that just having an advisor wasn't a plan, that they actually needed a plan, a plan to help make them more efficient with investments, with income, with taxes, with health care, and with their legacy plan that they plan to leave to their kids someday. So that was all part of the plan that we had to take a look at. Now, but a big part of that was the tax map because it revealed to them the need to start getting some of that money from tax deferred over into tax free. Pay Uncle Sam now while tax rates are low and while tax brackets are looking fairly good historically. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't like paying a dollar more in tax than we have to. That's right. But historically, tax rates are so much better today than they were 30 years ago. Connect now at winningretirementradio.com. Greg Taylor is an investment advisory representative of Legacy Advisory Network, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the state of Ohio. The firm only conducts business in states where it's properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Legacy Advisory Network, LLC, and this station are not affiliated. The investment ideas and financial vehicles discussed here should not be considered to be personalized investment advice, nor are these recommendations to buy or sell any particular investment or product. The information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should first consult with the competent tax, legal, accounting, and other professionals regarding the applicability and the suitability of any investment ideas. Past performance is not guaranteed of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims payability of the issue. Issuing company.